Vin Scully, the legendary longtime broadcaster for the Los Angeles Dodgers, has left us. He died Tuesday at age 94, and the sports world is in mourning. But the grief is especially acute here in Southern California. He was a summer soundtrack for millions of people over a career in L.A. that spanned seven decades. His voice melodious and soothing, his stories masterful, his talents immeasurable, his humanity wonderful. And now, our Vinny is gone. Well, I miss the games. Well, yeah, but I can turn on the radio or the TV. I could catch the games. The people, that's what I will miss. The people who have just made me feel so much at home. And I think I carry that right out onto the air. I'm Gustavo Ariano. You're listening to The Times, essential news from the LA Times. It's Thursday, August 4th, 2022. Today, the life and legacy of Vin Scully. Earlier this summer, former Times fellow Angel Carreras talked to Bill Plaschke, an LA Times sports columnist, for over 25 years. And one of his favorite subjects, of course, was Vin Scully. We'll hear from Bill and also Hall of Fame Dodgers broadcaster Jaime Harin and Bob Costas. The common thread that Angel pulled from Plaschke, Harin, Costas, almost anyone who ever knew Vin Scully. He was the greatest of them all and an even better human being. Now, Bill, for the uninitiated listeners, who is Vin Scully to you, to L.A., to Major League Baseball? Vin Scully for 67 years was the soundtrack of a city, was the music of a baseball team. He was the most trusted figure in Los Angeles. His voice resonated throughout the city, throughout the country, as a play-by-play announcer for the Dodgers. He was your favorite uncle. He was your favorite storyteller. He was the guy who put you to sleep at night, the guy who entertained you at lunch, the guy who you shared your dinners with, the way he spoke, the way he reached, the way he touched our lives. The best way to describe it is if for 67 years, when people would fly back home to Los Angeles, they land in LAX, get in their cars, take off on the freeways, busy freeways. They turn on a car radio. And if they heard Vin Scully's voice, they knew they were home. He spoke for a city. He represented baseball. He touched the world. His voice touched the world. And how did Vin Scully get into baseball and into broadcasting? I mean, he's a, he's a New Yorker turned Angelino, right? Can you talk about that for us? Yeah, he grew up in the Bronx, and his love for the game, he realized when he was nine years old, he was at a laundromat in 1936. The New York Giants had just lost a big World Series game, and he felt the pain in the laundromat from people who were mourning a baseball game. And he thought, my gosh, baseball must really be something if it can touch people like this and make them feel like this. I want to be part of it. So he went on to Fordham University, where he became the announcer for all the Fordham sports. And you know, people in the East Coast were very impressed with him. Then he got his big break when he was asked to do a college football game, University of Maryland against Boston University, right out of college. It was a game was at Fenway Park, which is a famous baseball stadium in Boston. Finn went to the game, expecting it to be in a press box. The announcers moved to be enclosed. It was a cold winter day. Turns out he was broadcasting from the roof. The setup was on the roof outside in the elements. He didn't bring a coat. He didn't bring gloves. Yet he called the whole game, didn't mention one, didn't mention the cold once, called a beautiful game, Maryland against Boston University. And 
his superiors were so impressed with him that in 1950, at age 23, he joined the Brooklyn Dodger radio team, 1950. And ever since then, he's been doing the Dodgers. He was the longest tenured Dodger of any Dodger in history from Brooklyn and then came to LA in 1958 with the team. He was the one constant, always there, always, you know, hello everybody and a very good evening to you wherever you may be. Hi everybody and a very pleasant good evening to you. All it says to you is the Dodger model, the Dodger theme they say before every Dodger game, they bring people on the field to say it. It's a big ceremony, every game is it's time for Dodger baseball. We've had all the introductions. We've had all the pomp and circumstance. We've had all the fuss and feathers. But it's time. It's time for Dodger baseball. And that was Vin. And that was Vin for 67 years. It's time for Dodger baseball. Bill, could you begin by sharing when you first heard the voice, the name Vin Scully? Do something for me. Close your eyes and and remember. What are those first feelings, those words that that come to mind when you first hear him, his voice? So when I first came to Los Angeles, I'd heard him on some national broadcast, but you don't really hear Vin until you hear him do the Dodgers. And I first moved to Los Angeles, 1987. And I remember getting him on the radio in the car I was overwhelmed. I came from Seattle. I was overwhelmed by the traffic, overwhelmed by the noise. Yet I heard this voice, and it was like, it felt like I was sitting at Dodger Stadium. I don't know how you feel about it at the other end of these microphones, whether you're sitting at home or driving a car or on the beach or anywhere. But... And I felt palm trees, and I felt breeze, and I saw mountains, and I felt grass, and I felt baseball. I know sitting here watching the Giants and Dodgers, a family playing for the last time at the polo grounds, you want them to take their time. Vin just, the lyrical way that he spun a game, the journey he took us on every game, just through his voice and the lilt in his voice, the exclamations, the punctuations, the pauses. Two old pitches low, ball three. You just feel like saying, now don't run off the field so fast, fellas. Let's uh, take it easy. We want to take one good, long, lingering look at both of them. You feel like it's spring again. You feel like it's always spring. With Vin, when Vin talked, it would feel it. So I just, I heard a voice and I felt like spring. I said, I got to get to Dodger Stadium because I feel like I'm there already. Now, Bill, you weren't the only one that has a similar love story to hearing Vin Scully. Bob Costas, former NBC sportscaster, uh, worked alongside the industry of Vin. Uh, he remembers him from his childhood. Although I grew up around New York, virtually my entire childhood and adolescence, for a year and a half in 1960 and 61, my family lived in Southern California. And as a huge baseball fan, I was always listening to Vin Scully. The Dodgers were always on the car radio or on the radio at home. And at that time, only a tiny number of games were on television. So radio was the way that baseball fans received the games. And Vin Scully was uh, quite possibly the greatest radio baseball announcer of all time. And you could tell even then how special he was. Two and two to Harvey Keene, one strike away. Sandy into his windup, here's the pitch. Swung out 
isn't this the perfect game? His voice is very distinctive, but it's also very pleasing. There are people who have excellent broadcasting voices, uh, voices that project, voices that have some authority, but Vin's is so distinctive and his style and pacing was so well suited to the pace of baseball, it was almost as if he gave a broadcast a melody. So Bill, Bob calls it kind of like a melody. In your words, how would you describe Vin's voice, his, his play calling? What was so unique about it? Well, because he didn't, called just the game. He called the sport. He called He called our lives. So he would tell stories during games. He would spin into yarns about there'd be a pitcher on the mound who would remind him of something 30 years ago or something in World War II or something in the Greek tragedies. And he'd start telling a story. And his stories would spin. He'd say, okay, the, now the Hershiser with the wind in the pitch is two balls and two strikes. So anyway, back in the 13th century, you know, Prometheus did this, and, and he tells these wonderful stories that relate to the game. So it's, it was really interesting when Vin Scully would tell a, a story, and there'd be two outs in the inning. So, you know, when the inning ends at three outs, they go to commercial break. So Vin's the only announcer in baseball history where people would listen to his games and hope for cheer for foul balls, cheer for long at-bats cheer for the play to be stretched out so he could finish his story. So he'd, he'd say, that strike one and, and, and strike one. And back in World War II, the General Patton once did this and once played baseball with the troops. And he's telling these stories. Or Jackie Robinson once stole home. And he's telling these stories. Ball three, foul ball, ball four, strike three. And, then, and once the inning ended, the story would end. So you'd want Ben to keep talking forever. So it was his ability to mix life and baseball. It was such a connection. He had such a connection with the people because he talked about life. He talked about us. It was about the Dodgers, but no, no, no. It was really about us. More on the life and legacy of Vince Gully after the break. So you mentioned that connection. What else set Vin apart from people? Storytelling connection, what else? For one thing, Vin was never a homer. And today's announcers are all homers because they're, they're paid by the teams. So the fans understand it. It's just understanding they say we. They cheer for home runs. Their voice goes noticeably down when the other team scores. Vin was not like that. Vin never supposed who was watching the game. He did the game for the retired mechanic in Florida, as well as the young, nutso fan, 25-year-old fan in, in Van Nuys. He would do the games for everyone. So he would be right down the middle. He would just tell you what happened in a beautiful voice, in a beautiful words, beautiful description, but never cheer. Quentin walks, then breaks into a run. Granky collides with him. A.J. Ellis grabs Quentin. In comes Sellers and down the orbit. After that, every man for himself. He thought his job was a conduit. He was the most humble man I've ever met. He didn't like the attention. Didn't want the attention. Have you heard about the Vin's great autobiography? No, you haven't because he won't write one. He never wrote one. Wouldn't write one. Didn't think people wanted to care about himself. Wanted to deflect the attention. It was all about the players. Now, you've heard a lot about Vin Scully, the broadcaster, the Dodgers guy. 
almost deified by some, but what was Vin the family man like? My favorite stories about him is he was a really devoted, devoted family man. I wrote a big story on him one time for the LA Times Magazine. And he said, please don't, don't bother my children. Through two marriages, he had like six children. Don't bother them. They don't want to care about their, their old man. Just, I'll just talk to you. And he gave me great stuff. So I'm writing the story and the phone rings. It's one of his daughters. She goes, how dare you not call us? I said, your dad said, don't call you. He's the greatest dad ever. We have to talk about him. You have to let us in the story. So of course, I said, talk on. I'll, I'll write whatever you say. And they told the story of how when they were younger in a swimming pool in the backyard, he would come out and do play-by-play of them in the swimming pool. There's little little uh, Betty. There's little Joey jumping off the diving board into the water he goes, swimming to the end. He would do, and those weren't, I apologize, I don't, I don't have their exact names. He would call their swimming feats from a lawn chair in the backyard, like he was calling a game. And Bill, I'm curious, you've known him for years. What is, what is your most memorable moment with Vin? I would write a story about him. I'd call him, we'd do a story about something. Him talking about a memory, him talking about something. Him telling stories about, he, he would tell great stories about, he went ice skating with Jackie Robinson. I mean, he told great stories about Jackie. Told great stories about all the Dodger greats. And after, I would write the story, And sure enough, like clockwork, the next day, about four o'clock in the afternoon, my phone would ring. It would be Vin. Bill, Vin Scully. But by the way, he had his answer machine was, hi, this is Vin Scully. Can't come to the phone right now. Please leave a message. It was such a distinctive voice answer machine. I would call it three or four times during the winter. And we even when I knew he wasn't home just to hear his voice just to get the comforting sound of his voice. So anyway, he would call me after writing a story. He would say, Bill, Vince Gully. And of course you knew, the minute he said, Bill, you knew it was Vince Gully. He he never had to identify himself, and yet he always identified himself. He would say, this is an off the record, not for print. Like what? Great story today. Thank you very much. Thank my, my thank you. My family thanks you. I don't, didn't deserve it. It was just a regular simple story about him talking about something. Thank you for noticing me. That's all I want to say. Not for print. Thank you very much. And it would happen every time. So those are my little scully moments. Got to carry those scully moments with you forever, you know? But let's go, let's go small and big. What was the most memorable game Vince Scully covered? Most memorable moment of his career for you? His most memorable call was Kirk Gibson's home run in 1988, game one of the World Series that beat the A's, two out ninth inning, two run home run, beat the A's, stunned the mighty A's, both Oakland Athletics, and went on to lead the Dodgers to that World Series championship. And I can still hear the call now. Gibson's Come to the plate, hobbled. Sacks waiting on deck, but the game right now is at the plate. Swings a bat. Puts the ball over the right field fence. She is gone! In a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. And that's all he said. Then he was silent. Well, you can still hear the roar of the crowd. 
as Gibson hobbled around the bases. That was his greatest call. His greatest moment, though, I think, was his last home game when he retired. Nightly was 2016. Leave it to the Dodgers. Charlie Calderson, a game-winning home run. What a moment to have it. And would you believe his first home run of the year? It's a walk-off home run to give the Dodgers the victory in Vin's last game. So now they don't care about the Padres and the Giants. Care not at all. And boy, did it work out perfectly for the final home game of the regular season. They have a lot of work to do, for sure. Still ahead of them. The place goes crazy. The players celebrate the home plate, then they all turn and point up to Vin and shout together, this one's for you, this one's for you, this one's for you, pointing to Vin. Everybody's crying. And you think, you've seen it all. It's been unbelievable. It can't top this. Well, it did top this. So Vin takes the microphone, and he says, I want to say something. I want to thank you, the fan. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here. This is all about you. These last 67 years have all been about you and been about my wife, Sandy. And his wife, Sandy, was standing next to him. So he said, if you'll allow me one more interruption into your life, I want to tell you how I feel. I wanted to try and express my appreciation to all the players, God bless them, and to all you folks here in the ballpark. It's a very, very modest thing. I sang this for my wife. It was a loving gesture. You know the song, The Wind Beneath My Wings. And that's what you are. You're the wings beneath the team's wings. You're the team beneath my wings. So I know it's modest. I know it's an amateur. Do you mind listening? And on the scoreboard, they played a recording of Vin singing Wind Beneath My Wings. You know, you know, did I ever tell you you're my hero, that, that song? He sang it. It was a recording of him singing it to Sandy. He sang it on the scoreboard. The fans were the winds beneath his wings. His wife, Sandy, was the wind beneath his wings. And he sang that, and 50,000 people cried. It was an unbelievable scene. It was, I'll never, ever forget that. It was the greatest goodbye in Dodger history. And Bill, last question here for you. Uh, how will Vin Scully be remembered? What will his legacy be in the announcer's booth and out? Vin Scully's legacy will be as an example of how kindness, generosity, and honesty can turn a simple play-by-play -play broadcaster, a simple man covering a simple game, talking into a simple microphone, to be the most trusted man in a very complicated city, to be the most trusted voice in a very complicated world. Vin Scully showed, he showed that you could do that with kindness and grace and dignity, with a lyrical look on life instead of a hard look on life, that you can take the simple act of describing a baseball game and have it describe our lives, 67 years of our lives. That's his legacy. Bill, thank you so much for this interview. Thanks. Coming up after the break, we hear from the other legendary Dodgers broadcaster, Jaime Hari.
And now we speak to someone that learned from Scully, who became great friends with him and his family. Jaime Harin, the now-retired Spanish-language Dodgers broadcaster, worked with the team for 64 years, right alongside Scully. Jaime, thanks for being here. How are you? Now, Jaime, you get to L.A., I believe, in 1955. You're a young man. You're learning the Dodgers, still new to baseball, still new to this country. Vince Scully kind of taught you the ropes of baseball. Uh, tell me what it was like when you first met him, what that experience was like. Well, I read about Vince Kelly uh, as much as possible, so I knew who he was. He came from, from Brooklyn, he stayed in Los Angeles. And at the beginning, of course, and I was uh, 22 years old, and uh, so right away, he was a, a giant to me. He was a giant to me, and, uh, and uh, uh, he inspired me lots of respect as a person, as a, as a broadcaster also, but as a person mainly because he was extremely nice with me. He tried to be nice with me. He would speak to me a little bit slower because he knew that my English was very limited. It still is, but uh, I noticed that he was aware of who I was and the things that I needed to improve uh, on the job and, and as a person. So from the beginning... The respect that I had for Vin is unbelievable. Vin was unbelievable, as you say, to many, and he, he kept his eye on rising stars such as yourself. So, Jaime, you learned from Vin. Did you ever try to, I don't know, ape his style, or did you ever hear his style come out of someone else influenced others? What have you picked from his brain? Vin is, is totally, totally different than most of them. I probably, there are some, some announcers who have tried to copy his style, uh, but it's, it's unique. It's very tough to, to copy him. I have tried not to copy him, but I have tried to absorb his way of, of broadcasting. I have the same school of him, as I said, keep my pace down, get excited when you are supposed to get excited. Don't be a screamer. Don't be partial to this or that player or to this or that team. Those things I have copied from him. But uh, trying to be him, it's practically impossible. You and Vin spent years together. What are some things you'll never forget in conversation with Vin? And after all those years together, is there a moment that defines Vin Scully for you? You look back and I know there's a culmination of something. There's a moment of true beauty between you. Is there a moment you can share like that for us? Well, uh, probably the things, you know, when he lost his first wife, uh, he was extremely sad and I had to stay with him uh, one hour, two hours after the game in the press box, in the dining room of the press box, and and he was having a couple of things before going home. And uh, that's a, a precious time that I had with him because I noticed that he was extremely sad. Of course, you know, he had lost his wife, and uh, it was a, a very unique time, very unique time for myself, um, being with him in those instances when he was feeling a little bit low. Then, when I lost my wife uh, almost three years ago, uh, he gave me a phone call. He spent about 30 minutes on the phone with me. And that's the most beautiful, the most uh, fantastic uh, telephone call that I have ever received. He talked to me because of his experience losing his first wife. Um, it was before losing his second wife. So he talked to me so beautiful that, uh, you know, the, the way that he delivers the way that he commands the language, the way that he grasped the, the, the circumstances around, it was unbelievable. It was about 30 minutes of the most beautiful, beautiful talk that I ever, ever heard and I will ever receive, I think so. Oh, Amen. I'm glad you guys had each other. It's, it's really wonderful to hear. 
Uh, Jaime, I just have one more question. Why is Vin Scully important to you? Why is he important to us? Well, uh, he's so important to me because of the way that he helped me, the way that he conducted himself in front of me, in front of everybody. And he's very important because uh, he is the best of the best. And, you know, you, you always try to be near the best. And I was very, very fortunate to be near him all these years, 60 years practically. Well, I don't have to tell why the people follow him so much, because he's the best. As a broadcaster, there is nobody, nobody near him, close to him. The way that he, he mastered his profession, that's why he's recognized for, from, from everybody as the best of the best. Uh, so that's, that's I think, uh, very unique when, with him. As I am saying goodbye, seven runs, 16 hits for the winning Giants, one for one for the Dodgers. The winner, Matt Moore, the loser, Kenza Maeda. I have said enough for a lifetime. And for the last time, I wish you all a very pleasant good afternoon. And that's it for this episode of The Times, essential news from the LA Times. Angel Carreras and Ashley Brown were the jefes on this episode, and Mike Heflin mixed and mastered it. To read all of our coverage on the life and legacy of Vince Scully, please go to latimes.com. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Kasha Brasalian, David Toledo, and Ashley Brown. Our editorial assistant is Madeline Amato. Our intern is Surya Hendry. Our engineers are Mario Diaz, Mark Nieto, and Mike Heflin. Our editor is Kinsey Moreland. Our executive producers are Hasmin Aguilera, Shani Hilton, and Hibel Urbani. And our theme music is by Andrew Ethan. Like what you're listening to? Then make sure to follow The Times on whatever platform you use. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news in this madre. Gracias. Gracias.